Ephesians 6, 1-4, Children Obey Your Parents by Paul Bucknell. This is part of a series called to walk in Christ on the book of Ephesians. Produced by Biblical Foundations for Freedom, www.foundationsforfreedom.net. Releasing God's truth to a new generation. This message is on Ephesians 6, 1-4, Children Obey Your Parents, given by Reverend Paul Bucknell. We can start with the word prayer. Lord, we thank you for your great love and care in Christ Jesus. We know, Lord, there's a lot of challenges in the world, and a lot of our basic assumptions are being thrown back and forth, Lord, being challenged, whether they're true, whether they're worthy to live by, commit our lives to. Father, the family is one thing that has been challenged so much in the last years. Father, we pray for grace to understand the power of your word. We ask that you would teach us and instruct us through this passage that you've given us. Oh, Lord, inscribe on our hearts the words from your lips. Please teach us, Lord, during this time. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Today we're talking about different aspects of parenting. Uh, good parenting counts from Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. The first thing we see that is God has spoken and really addressed how we should respond in this kind of relationship. Uh, there's a lot of uh, parents here, and, and in fact, in one sense, we're all children. We all have or do have a set of parents, and God has told us how to relate back and forth. Now, the key word for the children is obedience, obedience. And through this passage of Ephesians 6, we're going to look at three particular points. The first one is how we need to please God. The second is how um, obedience pleases God, uh, about Obedience brings profit. And thirdly, how obedience requires training. In Ephesians 6, 1 to 2, we'll find that obedience, you see, is always right. It's right for children to obey their parents. Obedience brings profit because it says it may be well with you. And thirdly, obedience uh, requires training. It, it needs us to exercise as parents discipline and instruction. In our world... Uh, we have we've seen the family, and for generations, I suppose, thousands and millenniums of years, the family has been and will be the basis of any society. A good society is based on a, a strong family structure. And as we go on further and further, you'll be able to understand how this is so. One command has really shaped our whole family structure, and because of that, society. Children, obey your parents. It really has a lot of lot of deep concepts behind it. And often we don't even think about it. In fact, a couple generations ago, I don't think anyone was thinking about how a good family has anything really much to do with the Bible. But when we begin to see the Bible and its instruction, and especially as the society is beginning to take apart some of those basic assumptions that are necessary for children to obey their parents, we really don't know the power of this truth. Now, back in the Qin Dynasty, they made one command back then. They made a number of them that actually began the beginnings of China as a country. And that's why it's called China, right, from the Qin Dynasty. But one of the things was that all the ox carts need to have the same width of the wheels. And you might say, well, what does that got to do? But it really shaped transportation. It, for China, it brought it into the modern era because all the tracks were the same width. And so you, everybody could use the same road and go along it rather than making big mud tracks and breaking your axle there and things like this. That one simple command from the emperor at that time really 
improve China in a great way. God, through this one commandment for children to obey their parents, has really greatly impacted the world. What has happened is because the family is eroding away, society is falling apart. And wherever, and I'll test you, if you don't believe me, you just look at 50 families and you see how those families are or or how a country is and how they observe these principles of children obeying their parents. As much as it's treasured and kept, you will see a blessing in that family or that society. As much as that family does not observe this principle, you will see that family have personal problems, relational problems, financial problems, all sorts of problems. And you will find the society that is resting upon those families is also corrupting. This is what you will see in America. The divorce rate, problems with children, the abuse in, uh, of children and families, all has to do with this. Because no longer are these basic fundamentals bound in there. So as a family goes, so does the society. If the family's strong, you will have a strong society. And some of will ask, well, what if they're not a Christian family? Well, I want you to know God's truths go deeper than the Christian. The Christian commitment is to enable everyone to live out God's commands. It enables you to forgive one another and go on building that upon that foundation. Now, some societies don't have that aspect, but, for example, uh, some countries that do hold, such as uh, China with filial piety, today, even to today, has been so greatly blessed, that country, because of that one foundational aspect that goes and agrees with God's word. Now, of course, the same thing happening, and I, I lived in Taiwan. You know, once this law has been kind of thrown out a little bit, feel piety is uh, where you a child would respect the parents, the father is no really not longer there, teenage rebellion uh, just flares up. And so that society is facing a crisis of its own. And, of course, not just Taiwan, America, but wherever it's happening. Uh, UK, you travel there and you can have a test, a barometer of, you know, how things are going. And I want to just quickly show you why this, is, why this happens, okay? Now, our key here is to build a godly family. A godly family is a family which, through its life and understanding, will try, rightly treat people in a way that pleases God. Okay? Just something simple as that. It's just carrying out basic ways within a family structure to please God. That's a godly family. Now, we have a whole bunch of things that develop when a child is growing up. Now, if there is not this element of obedience of a child to a parent, now, there are two sides to it, and I will address that a little later. Uh, don't think I'm just, oh, wow, he's heavy against the kids today. Um, <clears throat> no, no, no. He also talks about the parents here. But the, the other side of it is, though, if that's not there, if, if you don't learn about sacrifice, values, relationships, respect, trust, responsibility, love, love for God, you just will not have a godly family. Without this basic truth that we're talking about today, this obedience, a sense of obedience and instruction and respect for authority and parents, you'll just not have it. So... These keys, these elements are built up as a family respects things. Now, I want to just show you a, a number of false modern concepts. Now, you go along with me and see if you agree with these or not. Now, if you agree with them, you shouldn't, okay? But I'll tell you 
I'll tell you later why you shouldn't agree with them. So I'm not trying to trick you here. These are all false, okay? No, no good. But these are things that people often think, and often people in the church think. My main responsibility as a parent is to give my children the best education possible. Children know that what they should do. I don't need to interfere with their lives as a parent. I can't understand my children so that I don't get involved in their lives. Physical discipline is unfair and can be abusive. I don't use it. Parents and children should be able to make the best decisions together. Parents have a right to get real angry at how their children disregard their wishes. Children need to learn independence early in life. We need to give them that freedom. If you make children do what they don't want, they will be emotionally scarred. I like to give my children his own choice so I don't tell him what he should believe. We know what he watches is not best, but what can we do about it? That is just the way children are nowadays. <laughs> okay, um, these things are so common and pervasive within families, even so-called Christian families. But if you hold to these, what I, I am proposing is that you do not believe in God's word. You doubt God's word. You believe instead what modernists are teaching you. The scripture gives us a promise. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Of course, this is a promise and also a curse. If you train him in a bad way, you're going to get the repercussions. But uh, it's going to stick with him. But however you train him, you train him in a good way, it will stick with him. Now let's look at the passage we'll be talking about today that uh, so powerfully uh, speaks to our needs as a people uh, living in a modern society. Can we read this together, please? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So today we'll be talking about three aspects. The first one is obedience pleases God. We'll be looking at verse 1 and 2 where it talks about children should obey their parents and honor their father and mother. Second, we talk about how obedience brings profit. Notice in verse 2 and 3 how it says, it may be well with you if you obey. And then in verse 4, we talk about how obedience requires training. So let's first look at obedience, how it pleases God. Now we'll have to remember here, first of all, that this part in Ephesians 6 is actually a continuation from chapter 5. Not just verse 21 where he said, be subject to one another, and then he described three groups of people that need to are called to obey in their particular position. Wives need to be subject to their husbands. Children need to obey their parents. Slaves need to obey their masters. But all of this answers the question, how are you filled with the Spirit? Now, if you're a child here, you may be 12 years old, you might be 18, you might be 25, and you're wondering, how can I be filled with the Spirit? And then you will hopefully from this sermon hear what? By obeying your parents. <laughs> and you can get excited about that, right? Well, I don't know, maybe not. Um, actually, you should, because it's something that you can do in your life to see the power of God's Spirit work in your life in a dramatic way, even under difficult circumstances. Paul is still answering how you're filled with spirit, and it has an impact on children and how they obey their parents. If you're not obeying your parents, you can be sure you're not filled with the spirit of God. Okay? 
So this is what we're focusing on today. Let's continue on. It says here, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. What is being filled with the Spirit means? I, I try to define it. Being filled with the Spirit in this context enables one to live in such a way that it pleases God despite the pressures and oppressiveness one might find in daily life. Now, we're not saying when we say children obey your parents that it's always easy, agreeable, pleasant, or uh, desirable in any way. But what he's saying is, no matter what your parents really ask you to do, you can, in those circumstances, do not need to kind of feel bad, upset, you know, oh man, you know, that kind of uh, response. You can instead humble yourself before God and ask the Spirit of God to feel you that you could, in a way, please God by caring and obeying your parents. So it's a whole different way of approach that brings a radically different response in your life. It's your choice, you see, though. But as a Christian, you have an ability to let the Spirit of God move in your life that you are joyful, loving, uh, cheerful, uh, using self-constraint to actually implement those things. And some of you are probably saying, wow, I wish I knew that 20 years ago. And I tell you, I wish I knew that so many years ago. I grew up in a, a very broken family. I did not always have the right response. You know, the fact is, Jesus Christ, who would you think would not need to follow this command, could say, well, since I'm the Son of God, I don't need to obey a father and mother here on earth. But what he did was, in fact, as we see in Luke 2.51, was subject himself. Let's read this together. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Who is it talking about? Jesus. You see, Jesus, even him, in his perfectness, would subject himself to his parents. You say, well, what if his dad and mom made the wrong decision? Now, I mean, we use that excuse sometimes. But now, for us, we probably don't really care if they're making the right decision. We just care because they're not making the decision we want them to make, all right, as children. But for Jesus, who really understood God's will, this is a big deal. But he still trusted God to work through his parents. And I think a lot of times we just don't trust our parents. We don't trust God the way he made things, the way he made us to obey them or gain wisdom. We just don't have that picture anymore. Modern society would tell us, don't trust your parents at all. I mean, why would you ever even want to listen to them? I mean, do you ever go to school and hear children talking about, oh, yeah, I obeyed my parents. You say, what, you did? You know, I... Instead, what you hear is your friends saying, yeah, I got out of my parents what they told me to do, and, and so everybody's listening. That's what you hear, you see. Disobedience is esteemed, but that's the foolish. But when we begin to treasure what God says, it changes the way we focus about our life. We're not taking cues from around us. Instead, we're focusing on what God wants for our life. This has to do with our daily life. Now, I know some of us are older, but I want you also to be thinking through this because it has great ramifications. Because you cannot be a great person, a godly person, without being an obedient child. And some of us have scars in our background. I'll talk a little bit more about that. Let me define a little bit more what he's saying here. So the first thing he's saying, children should obey your parents in the Lord. Okay, so there's a call to obedience. This word obey actually comes from the Greek word to listen to. It literally means listen to. So where you listen to someone, you do it. 
uh, in the, a number of different languages, Hebrew, Greek, Chinese. There's a word for obedience. It's actually just simply listen to. And so you, instead of saying obey, they would say listen to. And English would almost do the same. So obedience has to do actually listening to what their instruction is and then complying. Honor is a little bit different. Honor is a sense of greatly valuing your father and mother. Greatly, greatly valuing. The, the Hebrew word for this actually means heavy, where vanity or foolishness means very light, nothing worth value. You might think of it as gold being so heavy and very valuable. That would probably give you the right concept. But in that sense, it seems to really esteem and treasure what your father and mother say. Do you? Do you esteem what your father and mother say? Their advice? Now, I, I would challenge you even, I mean, it gets back down to the question, well, how long? This is what you're saying. It stopped when I was 16 and I don't need to do it anymore. Um, I, I would challenge this a little bit. I, I, I would say that this actually... Typically, as we read in the last passage, that a man, when he gets married, what happens is he changes allegiance and becomes an authority on his own under God. Even after that, there's no reason you can't honor your parents. You can't respect them. You can't treasure them. A lot of parents feel when you become a Christian, oh, you're not going to respect them anymore. Actually, what should happen instead, when you become a Christian, you should double your respect toward your parents. Do a lot of extra special things. Take away that question, their doubt in their minds. Because if anything, a love for God is, you know, is a love for our parents because it's what God has revealed to us, a truth that he's built into this society and this world. But you might say, well, what if my parents say this or that? I've asked a lot of these questions. I know about them all. One question might be is, for example, what if they ask you to do something wrong? Do you do it? Well, it's interesting here. In both this verse, we see, obey your parents in the Lord. When he talked to wives, he said, wives, subject yourself to your husbands as to the Lord. I'm not sure whether there's a purpose and deliberate difference in the pronoun use, as to or it, in. Uh, but the sense is pretty similar. In the sense that we are doing it for God, we are doing it in respect to what God teaches us and what he wants for our lives. So if there was some immoral thing a parent was asking a child to do, the child should not do that. Because you obey in the Lord. There is a sense it could mean by the Lord, by his strength, but it seems the context is uh, focusing more in terms of what pleases him and what he wants. However, I must say that that is probably very rare that a parent would do that. It is much more common that the real issue is that we just don't like or prefer what our parents are saying. And so we think of ways and schemes how to get around them. And we applaud ourselves when we are able to get around them without getting caught. But you see, the, in ourselves, though, there is that sense of disobedience in our lives. God set this command here to let us know if you really want to be blessed, if you want to be a great person, just, just walk along this road and you'll see this is a path. It's all high mark, highlighted for you. Very simply, listen to your fathers and mothers. Honor them and what they say. Sometimes, though, we have, perhaps we don't follow orders. There's some disrespect. We have a bad attitude. We're non-compliant. We're disobedient. Or we're not very timely in responding. 
and I just go, go on and on. A lot of us, our lives are not marked by staying within the, the arrow of obedience. Our lives are often marred, marred by blobs of non-compliance and poor attitudes and disrespect. It's all built on that we don't really trust our parents. It's built that we think our ways are better than our parents. When we do that, we're actually saying, God, you said my parents are in charge of me and they know what's best for my life. But I disagree with you. I think I know a lot better than what you did and how you plan things. Forget about you. I'm going to stay up later tonight and sneak some extra time out to read a book, even though my parents said go to bed at a certain time. I know my parents told me to study hard today, but they don't know how much it doesn't really matter, this course. Anyways, I'm going to do all right, so I'm going to just take some of that time and play my computer game. Every time we do that, it's just saying, God, you don't know better. I know better than you. And so when we understand this, we see, wow, my life is really marred by a whole bunch of wrong things I've done, bad attitudes in my life. When we have these bad attitudes, there's two responses. If we're still a child and our parents are still directing us, first of all, sometimes we just react. <sighs> you know, and the parent said, oh, would you just do something like this? Very simple, innocent. But the child goes, <sighs> you know, it's like a lion. And the parent's wondering, what did I say? You know, But often it's because all this disobedience brings guilt in a person. That guilt is just piling up inside. They feel very unease at themselves. Of course, there's another aspect, and I'll talk about that later, that sometimes uh, fathers provoke their children to anger. And that's another reason I think children live in that type of angst at times. So what should we do? Get rid of all that disobedience and that disrespectful attitudes. We start by confessing our sins. You know, God, that was the way I was. You know, and it's still actually down deep in my heart today. Would you forgive me and take away all of that? If we could all do that here, you know, we could probably have a million sins forgiven. I'm serious. If you never went step by step and thought, wow, these are the ways I have disobeyed and disrespected my parents in the past. I have never dealt with that when I became a Christian. They are still hanging over your life. And they affect your hearts and attitudes. And if you're a parent, it will greatly affect your parenting. I had to go... Not only to God to ask forgiveness, I had to go to my parents. And I did it. Okay. I know how difficult it is. Because why? Well, one, you uncover sins that your parents never discovered. Anytime I stole from you, I lied to you, I, whoa, that's hard stuff. But I tell you, when I did it, my heart was clean. I felt free like a new person. In my relationships with my parents, no longer did I feel hostile toward them. I was free. And it just brought great wonders to my life and enabled me to build up my Christian life. Some of you can't build very strong because you have this problem, all sorts of problems down at your heart level, where you really have rebelled against God and you have thought that it doesn't really matter. And God said it does. Now, if you're still children, just deal with one at a time. Deal with it so you, in a positive way, can see, wow, God wants to train me like Jesus. So I will obey. And he will bring great blessings to my life when I do that. So obedience is right. Obedience pleases God. 
But obedience brings profit. Uh, it brings profit because if there's a promise there. It says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. You see, as we obey, we will not just stay out of trouble, but we will secure God's blessing. He actually said when we do this, he'll bless us. So what is God's interest toward us? We usually think, well, God told me to obey my parents. He's some type of slave owner, you know. He's, he's, uh, the parents probably bribe him to uh, make those kind of commands. But no, 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 no. God says, actually, I, I have ordered society and your lives in such a way that you will gain an incredible amount of wisdom and stature maturity if you would just obey me. You will see all around you things come in place when you obey me. Dare me. You know, it's, it's like God saying, this is the one I have a promise. I'm waiting to unleash this promise on your life. Go for it. But this is God talking. And he means it for all of us. He cares about us. And so he's willing to share his secrets of his kingdom with us. And surely, because Jesus forgives us our sins, we're able to have forgiveness where we have done so wrong in the past. This command that you're reading here, verse 2 and 3, does it sound familiar? In the old, old days, around, let's see, 1500 B.C., there was a man that was called up on a mountain. Remember his name? And there, you know, he had two tablets of stone. And God, in his mighty, mysterious way, etched upon them Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother that it might be well with you, was one of those commandments, the fourth one. And it hasn't changed. It's embedded in our society, and God was revealing the truths that help protect his people to live strong and wonderful lives. And that's incredible uh, that God did this. In Deuteronomy, when He uh, Moses crushed the first set of commands, God gave him a whole new set because he said, I really want these here still, and so he had another set made. Obedience actually brings a lot of profit, a lot of blessing in our lives. Let me just give it a couple of examples. First of all, it will make us grateful. We will be grateful for the things we have instead of being spoiled. Spoiled means children are bratty. Uh, they just complain at everything they get. Uh, they don't like it. They, you know, they just are very totally ungrateful. Uh, they don't because they don't have any obedience. They don't have any sense of appreciation. Uh, give them something, eh, don't want it. Uh, they want things their way and then insist on it. It goes, all these, by the way, go kind of in line. But if you're an honest, uh, uh, obedient child, you'll be an honest child. Why? Because you continually train yourself to listen to your parents. So you're not going to hide things. Now, there are such things, uh, and most of us are like this, manipulative people. We manipulate people, circumstances, our words, just like the devil did. And just to get our own way, even the, to get away around our parents. And so we're very clever, you know, just sneaky. And uh, so clever in this sense is bad uh, because it's one where you're trying to get away from God's will rather than to accomplish God's will. Uh, trustworthy. Uh, a parent gives you a, a, a child something to do and they, they'll do it. Instead of, you know, the haughty children, why do I need to do that? 
you know, who cares? My parents tell me to do that. Why should I do that? You know, God really wants to work in our lives. His ways build honesty, gratefulness, trustworthiness, all the virtues that are, are necessary for a good society or for any person. He builds these into our lives and it helps us to be grand people for him, to shine lights in a society. But you see that faith that is necessary for you to humble your heart, to obey your parents requires what? A lot of faith. You need the filling of the Spirit of God to be able to say, wow, God, you know, I remember once I wanted to go to youth group, but my mom said, no, you have to wash the dishes. I said, oh, you know, this is terrible. Here, I want to be spiritual, you know, you know, do that. And my mom said, no, you got to do this. You know, I, I remember fighting like that over things. Of course, I make it a spiritual issue. But really, I wasn't interested in spiritual things because I wasn't interested in focus on obedience. The issue is if I begin to see the success of my life based on my obedience to my parents, then things work out. I mean, freedom comes about when a child matures and does what is necessary. So obedience pleases God. Obedience brings profit. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. This is what he's talking about. Not freedom to do what you want. Freedom to do what God wants. You want to do what God wants? Pay attention to what he wants. Let me focus a little bit here on uh, training. It says, And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Usually we're thinking about, well, why, why is it so difficult at home? Whose problem is it? Is it the parents or child? Well, you know, sometimes it can be either. But usually the parent blames the child, the child blames the parent. And uh, But here he's talking about how those in authority are also responsible before God and balance is the key. No one can use another person for their own excuse. There's three things he says here. Firstly, he says, do not provoke to anger. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. How do they do this? They often do it by hypocrisy. They say, do one thing when they do another. Children can't stand that. It brings a lot of bitterness in their lives. It happens when a father doesn't really understand the circumstances. Sometimes I might discipline my child. And then they're really upset. And so, you know, I'm thinking, well, why are they upset? They're not normally that way after I discipline them. We're usually our relationship's fine. But usually if it's bad and, you know, I said, well, what's, maybe I didn't understand it enough. And so I go and talk to them and I say, oh, wow, you mean I didn't fully understand everything? And I wrongly disciplined you? I said, oh, boy. And uh, I have to apologize. It's very hard to do that. But if I don't, you see, I, I have to value the relationship more than my pride. I can't stand doing that. But on the other hand, I don't want that bitterness there. I love them too much. So I work through it. And there's other ways to provoke them in anger. For example, if a father is uh, unrealistic because a child, you know, is the, the chastisement that comes upon the child because he didn't get an A on his report card because uh, he missed something, forgot something, whatever. But if the discipline is totally uh, without the sense of training, I'll talk about that in a minute, in mind, you know, it, the child just gets very upset. And uh, we can see, because there's a total imbalance here. The father's not concerned about the child. The father's concerned about him, his pride. 
the way he wants everything just right. But he's not really focused on the training process in the parenting context. The second thing it says is to bring them up in the discipline of the Lord. This word discipline comes from the Greek word paideia, uh, which we get the word uh, pediatrics from. It's just a sense of training. Now, there's two senses to this di- word discipline. One is a chastisement that actually brings physical punishment. The other one is a training. So you might think of it as a training along with discipline. Both those elements are in there. So if you said bring them up in the discipline and training, that would be in this one Greek word here. But the point is this. You can't have good children without discipline. You can't have discipline without good training. The training is the positive aspect what parenting is all about. It's where you want to bring the children. Most parents have never thought what kind of end product we want, except maybe they think, oh, good education. But in terms of their moral quality and their persons, not have thought about that. They just want their children day by day to think of what they want to obey them. But really, you should think a little long-term, just like any coach would think long-term. Where does he want that football player? What kind of training does he need to endure so he can be that kind of player that he should be? Well, he has to go through a lot of grueling uh, work to get them him there. That's the discipline, the training, the hard work, uh, the reproach perhaps, the rebuking. But it's all there to bring him to that point where he needs to be. And I would say there's two things we miss. Uh, often we think this is abuse. But actually the scriptures say that if you do not discipline your children, uh, chastise them when they do wrong, that you are not loving them. Uh, it very, speaks very, very strongly there in Hebrews 12. God says, I will always chastise my children. If they're not chastised, you can be sure they're not my children. I mean, this is God speaking. It's certainly a pattern for us. Second of all, we need to have a, a place where they're going, a focus on, on thinking, oh, what do we want them to develop? Well, we want them to speak nicely to us, for example, instead of speaking freshly, uh, wrongly to us. Well, we want them to speak with a good attitude. Or we want them to comply with saying yes to us. Well, we must train them to do that. Our parents sometimes want that inside, but they never train their child to do it. We actually have to be very practical. This is the way I want you to answer me. Okay, practice. Okay, do it. Okay, practice again. Let's do it. All right. Now in daily life, let's do it. It's just it's training. Think what you want and then just train it into them. And it brings so much harmony because children finally know what you really want and that you mean it. It also says to bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. This is another area parents have often neglected. They think bringing them to church does everything. Well, let me just say, Sunday school is never meant to substitute the parent. The parents must train their children at home. And if you, unless you're praying and teaching them the word at, at home, you're missing out on these things. They want to see the teaching of God's word along with your life. So let me just close by going through each of these points quickly here and false modern concepts. My main responsibility as a parent is to give my child the best education possible. We might think that, but that's wrong. The scriptures never said, make sure your child has a BA, you know, or MA in uh, business or something like this. I, I don't think you'll be tested in heaven about those things. But you will be tested whether your children obeyed you. And when they disobeyed you, did you discipline them? Did you bring them to obedience? That's what we'll be testing on. That's our responsibility before God. Uh, secondly, children know what they should do. I do not need to interfere with their lives. 
What did we just learn in Ephesians 6, 1 to 4? Well, actually, no. Parents need to instruct and train their children, which means reproving, positively instructing them, setting a good example. No, I need to be involved in their lives. And I need to understand them enough so that what I'm saying is relevant to them. I can't understand my child, so I don't get involved. I know there's sometimes it's what with generation, culture, language gaps, and all these things. And sometimes as children, you know, you're here and your parents are totally kind of really never got involved in instructing you and because you could just push them off kind of easy. I think you need to go back and apologize because you have just thrown them out and you have missed out on some of the wisdom that God would have for your lives. Go back, fix up those relationships, begin to honor them. And I know it's hard, but this is where God wants us to be from both aspects. We've got to work on it. Because, you know, sometimes parents aren't going to change. But your child can change. Jesus obeyed even his imperfect parents. Physical discipline is unfair and can be abusive. I don't use it. Well, we should use it because we'll never have the children we need unless we use chastisement and the way we should exercise it. Don't use it in anger, but use it to accomplish your purpose of training them. People do not obey. Uh, if, If parents do not care and, and chastise their child properly, what happens is the parents builds up a lot of hostility between the parents and the children, and you will see abuse. Parents and children should be able to make the best decisions together. This talks about democracy, or, you know, equal vote, 50-50. We would be in bad shape if we followed that in our home. We have eight children, and we would clearly be outvoted. Um, it says parents are in charge. They're the authority. Children need to obey. Okay, just simple as that. So, yes, we can ask what color Jello you want. You know, do you want what amusement park you want to go? Okay, fine. But in the end, parents are the authority. Parents have a right to get real angry at how their child disregards their wishes. No, parents have a right to train their child. You want to train them and chastise them in such a way that you preserve good relationship. If you just burst out in your anger, you blew it because that child just thinks you you're just gone. You want to confess your anger, get back, and discipline in a proper way. Sometimes I tell them, you go in the other room. I'll be there in a few minutes. You know, let my anger cool down. I'll be there. <laughs> Actually, they, I think they appreciate that because uh, there's com- some constraint there. Children need to learn independence early in life. We need to give them that freedom. Independence? No. You see, you can't get respon- freedom until you have responsibility. You can't have responsibility until you submit yourself. So obedience comes first, compliance comes first, and that follows through. If you make your children do what they don't want, they will be emotionally scarred. Is that what the verses say? I know you will hear it. You'll hear it all over the place. This is not true. The only problem we have here that we talk about emotional scar is where fathers provoke your child to anger. And so children are very angry and bitter because they wrongly train the child or don't train them. Uh, that's that's one issue that we need to deal with. But the typical con- training of the children, involvement in the children, training them to be what they should be like, talking the right, right way, uh, right attitudes, is all there, right there, very clearly given to us. If, if you force them to use a fork instead of their hand to eat, you're not going to scar them. It's okay. And if you're from... You know, some places that use your hand, and you say, don't use a fork, you want to use your hand. That's okay. You know, but whatever it is, just do it. And you're not going to, the child will be fine. The child will be fine. 
I had to eat spinach. I'm still living. Did me good. I like to give my child his own choice so I don't tell him what he should believe. You know, this sense of child naturally will assume the best course of life, the best knowledge, if you just don't touch them, don't interfere. God says, totally foolish, okay? You have the truth. Why would you not take the truth and give it to your child? Don't you love the truth? You give it to your kids? You hate your children? Send them to hell. Here, here's the key to hell. Go! But this is the attitude we have sometimes. Oh, how can I interfere with my children's thinking? You send them to a secular school. 40, 80 hours of secular teaching. God's not there. Sometimes we just totally inconsistent. We know what a child watches or plays a game on a computer is not best. But what can we do about it? You're the authority. You just tell them no. Take the computer away. Unplug it. No computer for a week, a month. You're fussing two months. (laughs) Your parents haven't done that to you. That's why you're laughing. That's just the way children are nowadays. God doesn't say that. He says, you can train up godly children. It's your duty. Go for it. And if you're one of those children and your parents don't have any sense of what godly parenting is all about, you can still be a godly child by setting your heart to treasure what God has done, to realize it's the wisdom. It's what God's given to you the best way possible to bring you to be an obedient child because he's training you how to be obedient to him, just like Jesus, to obey him, to serve him. Obedience pleases God. It brings profit. It requires training. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we want to thank you so much for your love and grace in Christ. We are so sorry, Lord, that we have sinned in so many ways. Our lives are sometimes just filled with black marks all over it. Our relationships with our parents are so hostile. and We don't even want to think about it. Oh, God, please help us. You've given us the way. You've given us forgiveness through Jesus. And now bring us back, O Lord, to be your obedient children, to please you. In Christ we pray. Amen. This concludes the message on Ephesians 6, 1-4, Children Obey Your Parents, by Paul Bucknell. Part of a series called to walk in Christ on the book of Ephesians. Produced by Biblical Foundations for Freedom, www.foundationsforfreedom.net. Releasing God's truth to a new generation.